What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Bassam Hanna podcast. Today, we are very fortunate to have a dear friend and fellow real estate professional, Ron Sally, joining us. Uh, Ron is the broker of record of Remax Millennium. Um, so the format of the podcast today is I'm going to give Ron a chance to introduce himself. Uh, then we're going to go through a lightning round like we typically do, asking each other fun questions so that the audience can get to know us a little better. And then we'll get into the meat and potatoes of, of the podcast. Let's so, do it, man. I'm excited. Ron, thank you so much for joining us. Um, so maybe to start things off, you can give the people a little bit of an intro on who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. My name is Ron Sally, as Bassa mentioned, and I'm the broker owner of Remax Millennium Real Estate. I'm also the broker of record of Remax Millennium Real Estate as well. Uh, we have over 300 plus agents. We have two locations. I got my real estate license when I was uh, 19 years old. Uh, at 25, I became the youngest broker owner in the world for, uh, for Remax. And uh, now we're just uh, having a good time uh, creating a business for other agents. Amazing, amazing. Uh, so we'll get into like the whole, the, the, like, the Remax saga, because I, I think there's a lot of nuggets. I know the story, and it, it's, it's quite compelling. Uh, but before we do that, let's get into the lightning round. All right. Um, because you're the guest, I, I will invite you to go first. Um, and we were supposed to take shots, but uh, we, you know we're on a healthy tip today, so we're not. Uh, yeah. We're escaping yeah, yeah. the shots. It, so it's we can all, get it's also data. like Wednesday at 11, and we both have work after this, so um, we'll, we'll skip the shots for today. Uh, so, but you know what? What we can do? I've done this on a previous podcast. If you don't want to answer, you got to do 20 push-ups. 20 push-ups. Okay, cool. 20 push-ups. No okay, problem. so you can go first. All right. Uh, the first question I have for you, Bassam, is what's one of the biggest failures in your life that you remember? Uh, one of the biggest failures. So one of my most defining failures. Thank you. Um, one of my most defining failures was when I left school. I got a really good job at a consulting agency. It was like a coveted job outside of my school. Um, and I completely shit the bed. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't fit into the consulting world, uh, and it was a really tough pill to swallow because I spent basically four years of my life trying to get the job, got the job, and then didn't do well in it. Uh, what that taught me, though, was you, you will ultimately fail at things that you're not good about or you're not passionate about, right? So... Um, what that failure forced me to do was take a very close look into my life and realize what I actually wanted to do, which was real estate. Um, and it, it allowed me the time and the clarity to reassess what I want to do, realize that I'm not good at everything, and then start focusing my attention and energy into something that I really loved. And that's when I started to excel. So that was one of my biggest failures. Big, big question to start off the day, eh? Okay, okay, I, uh, my questions aren't like that. Uh, question for you on, because you work in the real estate world and you have lots of clients, uh, tell me on a no-names basis, uh, who, was, who was the worst client you ever had and how did you deal with them? Oh, man. Uh, well, here's the thing, right? All the, all the worst clients are really the uh, learning experiences, but there was this one lady that I worked with when I was a little bit younger, she was going through a divorce, okay? And here's the thing. The divorce is her not divorcing her husband. Her husband is leaving her for another woman. That's oh, the situation. Snap. Let's give you a little bit of a backdrop <laughs> on what's going on. So now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 21, 22 years old. 
and I've sold uh, her husband's property, their property collectively together. I've helped the husband buy a new property so he can move in with his new girlfriend. Okay, and now because uh, the, the, the funds are coming from the home, I'm also helping her kind of, uh, you know, f- find a property. Every property we look at, she doesn't like it. She finds everything wrong with it. And while we're in the middle of a property, half the time she's, you know, she's poking me for questions about where her husband is moving to because I can't share any of that information with her. Right, right. So, uh, and, and half the time, you know, I can't believe he left me. I can't believe... So every time we're looking at a property... It's it, it just it's just like man like what don't you like about this home? It's really going back to the conversation of uh, of the of the husband and the divorce questions. So every time you put an offer, she pulls back on the offer. You put in three offers, she changes her mind. Put put in another offer, she changes her mind. I, and there's so many moments when I'm showing her the property, I'm like, yes, this is that property for you. This is that property for you. Right. There's this one home. We're going to see it's a vacant house. It was newly renovated. There's a shit ton of snow on the ground all over. And I was so convinced that this was the house we're going to put an offer in. When we show up, the driveway is so full of snow, they don't shovel. And this is a tip for all the other realtors. When you have a vacant property, maybe schedule somebody to, you know, come in and, uh, and shovel the driveway. What I do is... I get a. Sh- I had this. Luckily, I had a. I had a. Uh, I had a shovel uh, that was. I found a shovel actually that was on the properties inside of the house. So I walked through the snow in my uh, in my shoes. So I have snow all the way in my uh, in my in my socks. I get up. I cleared the uh, uh, the driveway for her so she can walk in because she decides to wear heels that day. And she's like, I'm not gonna walk through there. And I do that. So I do that because I'm convinced this is the house. We get inside the house. I'm like, look, it's such a lovely home. Very nicely done. Okay. She's like, okay. Let me think about it. We come back. My car gets stuck in the snow. Okay. Oh my gosh. And what do I do? I'm there. I have a suit on. I get down again. I clear the snow. This is a brutal day. And after we get inside the car, she's like, "Listen, I don't want to see any more properties. I'm I'm not feeling so good. I don't I don't like what's happening in my life." So, anyways, long story short, this is probably one of the the, the most uh, uh, the worst clients that I remember on top of my head because everything that could go wrong, she would find wrong. And even after getting her a property, she was unhappy with the property as well. So I just think there's a lot of personal stuff going on with her, but she always comes to mind whenever I think about a worst client. So now we don't pick up her phone calls. So now, now, <laughs> now I just don't deal with uh, divorce cases yeah. if that ends up happening. Although the best real estate deals are found in a divorce. The first house I bought was off of a divorced couple, and they were like so eager to, not that I'm like, I'm so sorry that they're going. Better. Yeah, but yeah. Were, but like, it worked out really well for me and my wife because we ended up stealing that property. Exactly. So it was amazing. Um, okay, your turn. Um, what's, what's one of the biggest lessons that you learned uh, in your business or what you were setting up? What's one of the things that you picked up where you're like, this, is, this has always helped you in your business for what you do forward? Um, Fuck, I wish you told me these in advance so I can oh, well, think. A yeah. It's a lightning round, man. <laughs> Normally, like people ask, like, uh, how much money you make. Um, one of the biggest lessons that I've learned that I carry with me always is uh, it's, it's like a, it's a lesson and a saying, you know, like it's, it's darkest always before the dawn, right? So uh, when I'm in... When I'm trying to solve a problem, or when I'm in a situation, or, or that where I'm like, man, I really need, I, I, I'm gonna give up, right? I take a step back, and I'm like, you can get through it. Like, you can push through a little bit more. Like, give give that little bit of energy or that little bit of extra. Where most people are gonna say, you know what, I'm done. Like, don't, because that's the difference between success and failure. Most of the time, people give up just before things turn positively for them. So the biggest lesson I take for myself, especially when you're taking on really big projects, really big uh, goals, 
it's going to be extremely, extremely hard. And it's going to push you to a point of discomfort that you may not want to deal with. Deal with it and get through it. You will be so much happy. You'll, one, you'll realize how strong you are. And two, you'll, you'll be more successful for it because you'll have achieved a goal. So that is like my, my one piece of like, like the one lesson that I take with me in no matter what the situation is, it's just like, just never give up, like empty that gas tank. Like if you're alive and you can still move, keep going. Don't give up. I really like that. I really like that. Yeah. That, that, that's like a big one for me. Um, okay. You're gonna make me go off script here. Cause none of my questions are that good. Um, what would you tell somebody that, is young that is trying to do something like so just to put context into this you were the youngest broker of record at remax um which is everybody knows what remax is uh to say to have that moniker that you're the youngest broker of record is huge i'm guessing they just don't give that out uh did you face obstacles when you were trying to get it at such a young age i faced obstacles the day i got my license at 19 years of age right what the hell do you know about real estate? What have you bought for yourself? You look so young. What have you done? How could you help me? So I faced these questions all the time when I was there. So when I came to that point of, hey, you're so young, what I had to realize is every time I got that thrown my way, I didn't do a good enough job in creating value for myself in front of the other person. Mm -hmm. And I didn't do a good enough job in creating an environment where they can see the value in what I have to bring or what the office is doing collectively. And here's the thing, whenever you start something in your life, there's always, ah, I don't know if he's gonna do it, he's not gonna make it. There were so many people that were there at that point in time that they knew I was gonna fail or they thought I was gonna fail and they never supported it. And it's, what's funny is that before you even get your franchise or before you get your brokerage, Remax makes you get LOIs from at least 25 to 30 people that will potentially join. Right. So that's one of the things that you have to fulfill as part of the contractual obligations. So I did that, but ask me out of those 25, 30 LOIs that I got from all the realtors, how many of them joined right after? How many? Zero. Actually. None. No right. one joined. So here I am. I'm thinking I just opened up, the, uh, opened up a brokerage and, and people are just going to start flocking through Hey, because I have a Remax brand. No way. So I had to restructure, I had to reorganize. But to answer your question of the obstacles that I faced, of course, that was there. But what I did was, if I can share something with, with, the, with any individual that wants to do something, there's a famous quote that I truly believe in. I feel like I, it's like tattooed inside, even though I don't have any tattoos. Age is no barrier to ambition. And I remind myself every step along the way, Good. whether I'm going to be 45, whether I'm going to be 50, whether I'm you know, 19 or 18, age is just a number. Yeah. And, and, and I think I'm a lot older than what I am but because that's just how I operate and how I think. I think I'm behind in what I have to do because there's so many goals because the people that I'm dealing with are far ahead in where I need to be in my life or where I see myself to be during that, that, you know, my, my time frame. Mm -hmm. So age is no barrier to ambition. And the other big thing is when you are so fired up with what you have and with what you've created, you're, you're, just, you're, just, you're just weeding out the nose. Hey, uh, we have a great thing. You know? Okay, next. Hey, how are you doing? We have this great... So you're just moving fast because you're so excited with what you have right. that you don't really care about the no's that are coming your way because you're just so excited. So yeah. that's how I was when I started it. So, the, so if you had to, like, nugget that into something that, that somebody listening to this could, could take, if you're young and ambitious, 
what do you what do you do with with that? Like how how do you how do you motivate yourself when everybody is saying no? That's a very good question. How do you motivate yourself? Uh, first, have a plan. Have an end goal in mind. Where do you want to be? And then what you do is you set your targets. And you're not, yes, you're aiming for a large goal. For example, if, if, you, ask, if you ask a, someone that says, hey, how much do you want to make in a year? All right. If you're making 40, 50K a year and you say, hey, I want to make $750,000 this year. If all you've been doing is making 40, 50K, for you to get to that goal, let's be honest, it's going to be really challenging unless there's something magical that you do. Right. So let's be realistic with your goals and let's have clear intentions. So what I did was I set goals. I said, this year I want to have an X number of individuals in my firm. Right. The second year I want to have X number of individuals in my firm. And the third year, till I didn't create that criteria, I didn't know what I was working towards. So first, know what you're working towards. Okay? Okay. The other thing what you're looking at is you're saying, how can I give rather than take? Half the time we're taking. Hey, we're always trying to sell something. Stop selling. Start creating value. Once, once that started happening and I did that mental shift of the value I created, and the value was, here's what you can do when you're part of our office. Here's what our office can do for you, not the other way around. Here's what we can do for you as an office versus you coming in here and you bringing you know, your business over to our firm. Mm -hmm. So once, once, once I started focusing more on what I can give you rather than I take from you, right. that's when my business model started evolving so much more. Let's talk about the, um, and I'm probably, I'm sure you have a timeline no, as well, um, like our list of questions. I, I would uh, I maybe... Don't go, shoot the shit. Shoot the shit. I actually like where this is going. Yeah, is I, I say, I say, I say, let's, let's, because my other, my other question, actually I'm going to ask you. Okay. I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to hit you in the lightning round. You, oh, okay, you, this go. is the question you're not all prepared right. for, man. I'm not prepared for any of your questions, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Okay, that was, that was a good one. Your turn. And then after this, I think we'll... Uh, We'll we'll just I, this kind of turned into like a like the meat the meat and potatoes of, of the podcast anyway. So let's keep going. Uh, go, you got your turn. What do you think is wrong with the real estate industry, and what do you think that agents are doing wrong in their business? It's a loaded one, bro. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I don't. Okay. I'm going to leave the agents one to you because you're, you have more experience. How about that. you? I'll answer it from my perspective and you answer. I, I know you're trying sure, to dodge the question. Sure, sure, okay. Sure. Answer it from your perspective, from a third person, from what you see. What do I think is wrong with the real estate industry in general? Um, I, I want to clarify. It's not that it's wrong. It's like maybe the better way to ask that is like, or the, the way that I'd like to answer that is, is what do I think can be improved? Um, my, my whole, my whole like, reason for being right now is I don't think that there's enough uh, developers, like proper uh, developers that represent minority communities in Canada. The thing is, the vast majority of the people coming into this country and the vast majority of the money that's coming in to buy these units are minorities, right? And uh, where I think that the real estate in industry can improve or where I'd like to improve the real estate industry is being able to represent the people coming off the planes and off the boats. And I know that like, like Canada's a melting pot and all that stuff, but I'd love to see more diversity in that aspect of development. It is, it is what drives me day to day. Um, from an agent perspective, look, if you're a developer, just so that people understand, the development world tends to happen as there's a construction component and there's a sales component. The agents are very critical for the sales component. And for people that don't know, 
you are a platinum broker. You sell a lot of pre-construction units for on behalf of developers. Um, what I would love to see is agents becoming a part of the development teams. Um, and this is something you and I have talked about before. Uh, it kind of breaks the mold because normally a developer will just pay an agent uh, some kind of a commission for selling the units, but all that, all that profit is locked into the developer or the development company. Um, I'd like to reorganize the sharing of that pie because agents could, uh, there's, good, there's more accountability when the agent is also a part of the development team. Now, I understand there's conflict of interest stuff and whatever that, we, that has to get addressed, uh, but that's where I would love to see agents go. It's not that there's anything wrong. Nothing's wrong with what's working right now. It's working. Canada has a booming real estate market and it has for the last however many years. Um, but in that boom, I'd love to see us level up, right? Like we, we, it sounds so bad, but like we take scraps, right? Developers carve up the pie and then whatever, they decide who gets what. Um, the people that are so instrumental to the success of these developments, I'd like to see that. That I think there's a different mold, or like the way that I would come out, come at this to try to compete with with established people is to is to reinvent something to motivate the people that we need to to help us make successful projects. So I think that's what I would like to see or what I'd like to, to do. To add, to add on to that, one of, one of the things that I've, what I've learned and I've picked up on is that each person has a risk threshold. Yes. And once I understood the risk threshold of where they are in their life, their age, and what they're doing, it really changed my perspective on how much money is somebody willing to put forward or the risk that they're willing to take uh, that's there. If we talk about immigrants in general as they're coming into the country, a lot of them are selling everything that they have to come into a foreign land. Now totally. it's a little bit more planned, but during you know, the time when my parents came into this country, came with next to nothing, yeah. did the labor jobs, did the odd jobs, and then, and then amassed what they had to amass mm -hmm. to get to where they are today. And same thing with your family and, 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 and some of the people that, that, that were around. Um, in terms of development, I mean, all across Canada, I mean, we're, we're in Ontario right now, but if you look at Calgary, if you look at Vancouver, there's a lot of uh, immigrants that, uh, uh, that, that it's the diverse uh, part of development. They've jumped in and they've, they've actually, they are building some things. Do we get to hear about them a lot? Probably not because we're not in that demographic of there. I've come to know some people through social media in Calgary or even in Edmonton and even some in Vancouver that have reached out and connected and, and they're doing some crazy amount of home development, doing some crazy, and right. you're starting to see that now as well in the Niagara region. I understand what you're saying from a uh, you know, holistic perspective and especially kind of bringing realtors on um, rather than selling being part of the development process as well, but also depends on the risks that they're willing to take. Mm -hmm. You know, and that risk is always, it's, it's like this, right? It's like when you're playing a hand of blackjack, you know you're supposed to bet the gamblers. Okay. <laughs> no, look, that, that's really what it is. It's, it's, you know, you're supposed to hit. Yeah. And then you don't hit. Now what? You just messed up the whole round for everybody else as you well. Mean, like on hit there. on 16. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> like, like every, every, then, then there's always that one guy that sits there. No, do what you have to do. But really, you're supposed to, you know, you're going to do it. But the next round, the third round, you get a chance to, to make it up. Right. So you know that when things are down right now or when they, you know, they're, they're starting to pick up, but when they're down, you're supposed to pick up real estate. How many people are willing to jump in in the market and they're buying up things? The ones that understand it are. Yeah. Make sense? So, so, so that's the... the, that's that, the mm -hmm. But that's, uh, like, to, 
I'll say something like that's easier said than done, right? Because you like take the picture that you painted and like you've sold everything that you have in the country that you came from. You, you, you've come in, you're trying to establish yourself and one wrong bet will send you into like a downward spiral that you might not be able to, to come out of. So like your risk appetite, even if you were a risky person where you came from or you were an established successful person where you came from, the minute you come to a new country and you're like, shit, if I put my life savings into this project and it doesn't work out, now I don't know where my rent is coming from or my mortgage is coming from. I don't know. Like, so there's the risk appetite is something that has to be very clearly understood in the dynamic of that problem. Um, the one thing is I will say, what I was saying is not to take away from the groups that have, have established and done really good things in Canada right now because they are truly like the pioneers and, and the people that we should all be looking up to. And, I, and I've worked under several of these shops yeah. like, like while I was building my experience to, to realize that like th this is a labor of love, it's passion, it, it's all those things. Um, my, my whole thing is like, like I'll tell you, I don't know a lot of Egyptian developers. You know, like I don't want to speak for other cultures, other communities, but I don't know a lot of Egyptian developers, but I know a lot of people in my community buy pre-construction condos, their landlords in condo buildings and whatever, because we did the property management for them when we used to do that. Um, it, it's always like, it comes back to this, like, why not us? You know, like, why can't we do this for ourselves? Or, or what is stopping us from doing this for ourselves? And oftentimes it's the ability to take the risk in that uncomfortable environment like the market is arguably down right now can you make that move now while everybody because this is the opportunity when most most guys that are established are going to be like hey we don't need to build right now right and they'll take a break and nothing will happen and when the market comes back up they'll be they'll be able to pick back up no problem but if guys like us can can take that next step and say okay this is when we're going to take that risk because we know this is this is uh, economically speaking, the right time to take that risk, I think there's disproportionate reward. And once you've established that pattern and that track record, you also pave the path for other people to say, hey, that guy looks like me or that girl looks like me. If they can do it, I can do it. And then it builds and builds and builds. It's the beauty of Canada. It's what Canada is. And I, lo and I love that. And that's one of the things I love about our country so much is the diversity that we have, especially in my office. We have a very diverse group of individuals in the firm and uh, understanding the culture, understanding their thought process, understanding where they come from, celebrating their culture, celebrating totally. what they do. It's such a, it's such a great part of, of and, that's, and that's why so many companies that come from the U.S., they fail in Canada because they don't understand that cultural aspect of really who we are. And, uh, and one, one company that I think has really understood it is Tim Hortons. You know, the way they, the way they market, the way they showcase, they really hone in on the, the culture of each individual person in each True. community. Yeah. And they do such a fantastic job of that and doing that. You know, they're saying, you know, coffee's for everybody and, and you know, the way, the way it is. But I, but I love that. I don't think I would be here where I am if I didn't deal with a diverse group of individuals. And you learn so much from where they come from, their, their hardships. And yeah. so many people have, have done that. Coming back to the, uh, the question you uh, threw at me. Yeah. Here. What? Thanks. For where, where sort of, where sort of I, I see where things could be improved in the industry or, you know, things that, that could happen. 
Well, the first thing I want to talk about is, uh, you know, uh, uh, having more uh, uh, dominant females in the industry. I feel like, you know, the real estate industry doesn't have a lot of females, and I feel like they, they, this is a great career choice for them. And some of the f female realtors that I know, even the ones that we have in the office, they do such an incredible job right. in terms of not only managing their business, managing their personal life, so just really highlighting the successes of females, I, I, I think it really goes a long way. You know, funny enough, we're, we're a very male-dominant industry in a lot of different different platforms. And so in, in our office, we always try to encourage, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, if, uh, our female group of uh, uh, people that we have to kind of really step up and, uh, and really celebrate them. Now, the other big part is from an agent standpoint, from a broker standpoint, what I'm not liking is, and, I, and, I'm, and, I'm, and the reason I'll tell you why I'm not liking, I'm not liking where... A real estate, per real estate professional's job is to ensure that they represent the buyer, the seller, and or investor and help them buy and sell real estate. They play a very important role and nobody could take that away from them because it's the advice that you're seeking from a trusted individual. Now, when you have companies that are promoting different aspects from the real estate field where agents are deviating from the actual sales standpoint and becoming recruiters, I'm not a big fan of that because it takes away from what an agent is supposed to be doing in the first place. So, sorry, can I, I just want to like yeah, clarify please. that we're talking. So what, you're talking about bringing agents into the brokerage. Yeah. So what I'm what I'm talking okay. what I'm talking about is when you when you get your real estate license, you get your real estate license to create a career for yourself. So first off, this is a big career as a real estate professional. You pick your career, your your and and your job is to help advise and work with individuals where to help either buy, sell, or invest in a real estate property or handle their trade of real estate purchase. Whether it's a land purchase, whether it's a development purchase, whether it's a pre-construction, you're working with them to establish their goals. That is an agent's responsibilities. What's happening is there are companies that are out there that are deviating from the actual part of sales from a consumer standpoint, and they're focusing on the sales of other agents. And you're becoming a recruitment company more than you're becoming a sales company. So what starts happening is the glitz and the glamour and and uh, all this talk kind of deviates that agent from really focusing on the client and the customer. So I feel like, you know, we, we need to understand that an agent's job is to sell real estate and help people buy, sell, and invest. That's their job and responsibility. Okay, that's the agent's job. What's the broker's job? Broker's job is to be the uh, hub for where they can run their business from. I... Our real estate brokerage or any real estate brokerage, any agent that affiliates with any brokerage whatsoever, they are joining that brokerage for the services that that brokerage is able to provide. And the challenge is almost every brokerage is the same damn thing. Hey, we give you a brand, we give you training and give you support. You go to one office, they say the same thing. You go to the other office, they do the same thing. You go to the other office, they do the same thing. Right. Really, what a brokerage should provide on a very high level are resources and services where somebody is able to build their business off of. Use, a, use Google, uh, Google as an example. You have Google Drive, you have Gmail, you have Sheets, you have Docs, you have an ecosystem for where somebody can really operate 
anything they need to do to whether manage a business, do anything from a personal standpoint. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Of course. Think of Shopify as an example. What is Shopify? It's an e-commerce platform for other businesses to build a business on. So what are we? We're a business that builds businesses. You can build your business from the service and the resources provided by our brokerage, whether that's training, whether that's marketing, whether that's administration, whether that's pre-construction, whether that's mortgage, whether that's legal. And then we make it easier for you uh -huh. to run and operate your business from anywhere, anytime in the place. Okay, but I'm going to like, yeah, I'm going to stop, like I'm going to like be a contrarian here. But yeah. say you have the world's best platform, right? But you are not recruiting or getting people to to that platform like then it's not successful right so like i would i you know like i i hear what you're saying about the agent's job is to represent the client and actually i you made me think about that like making an agent a part of the development team might be a little bit difficult because then there's a conflict of interest there right because like if you're on the development side why wouldn't you sell that property for like you're going to be motivated to sell that property versus another one just because of bias so maybe we'll park that. But as a but to add, sorry to interrupt you, but to add on the develop the agent that will partner up with you truly and wholeheartedly believes in your product and believes in the location or believes in what they're creating. And when we sell any development projects, not every project is going to be a great project right. from from that perspective. Right. For example, you can have a you can have a project that's selling in you know in in Yorkville core, and there's going to be agents that will not resonate with the pricing of a Yorkville condo. But right. the people that are there, that live there, that operate there, they have a different mindset of paying $2 million or $3 million or $4 million for a condo. There's so many people out there that still say, who the hell wants to live in a condo anyway? You understand? So either you can try and change their mindset, either you can try and argue with them, or you focus on the ones that you truly believe in. And once you really do your homework, you do your math and you do your numbers, you understand. And there's been so many developments where from the outside, I was like, mm, I don't know if I could sell this. But once I really understood really what was being created in that neighborhood and why there's a need for it, and I educated myself on that, it made so much easier for me to pitch it to anybody else. You become an advocate. Yeah. Uh, but to back to my original point was, or to the original question I wanted to ask was like, um, is it not the broker's job to recruit? A brokerage's job a is brokerage to recruit. Is, right. A brokerage's job is to recruit. And a brokerage, then there's different models of how a brokerage operates in. But it's an agent's job to focus on working with their buyers, the sellers, and the investors. If the agents are focused on recruitment, how are they going to be able to service their client? Now, if I'm a buyer... What's the motivation for an agent to become a part of the recruitment process? Well, here's the thing. They, 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 it's, being, it's being highlighted that you can make additional uh, revenue or income from there. So what starts happening is you, you start focusing on the actual aspect of bringing other people on versus focusing on your actual clients. If I was a buyer, for example, here's the thing. If I was a buyer and I was to search you up before I want to work with you, and all you're doing is pitching and promoting that you should join this office, join this office, join this office, versus actual product that you have, versus actual sales that you have, versus anything of those sort, yeah. what's going to happen? You're not in the best interest. You're, you know, how am I going to have respect for your company if I'm doing that? There's, there's space for, there's so many offices that are 100%. There's brokerages where you don't pay any fees. There's models that is available for everybody. Now, who? it's sort of like this. Think of it as a clothing market. There's a Louis Vuitton of the world. There's a Gucci of the world. There's a Prada of the world. Uh, and then, of course, you got the H&Ms of the world and you got the Zaras of the world. Mm -hmm. there's, some, there's nothing wrong with Zara. There's nothing wrong with H&M. There's nothing wrong with that. 
The ones that are focused on the Gucci's or the LV's, they create a certain brand. It's sort of like this, right? It's, there's a certain, what is a brand? A brand is something that has perceived value. And when you associate yourself with a brand, you take on the reputation that comes along with it. Would you agree? Of course. That's so, why you, so if you associate, that's why you buy the Gucci's that's why you buy those things, the, right? But yeah. now you're associating with a brand that's focused on recruitment, 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 rather than the actual needs of buyers, sellers, and investors. What do you think is that reputation that person gets? Now, from an agent perspective, that model could work. I'm talking about direct consumer to consumer because that's what agents do. We're working with consumers on a very, very high level. So when you deviate from that model of really providing value and support and harnessing that consumer direct approach, it creates challenges from where you are and where you should be. Okay, I hear you, I hear you. I'm not, I, like, I, I believe in what you're saying, uh, but I, I really do think there's probably space for, for both, right? Like there, because even just using the clothing example, there's space for Prada, Gucci, Louis, but there's also space for H&M, Zara, and like, like, it, like the world needs both, right? Uh, who you associate with yourself and what resonates with you is a personal choice. Uh, because I, I, like, the one thing I don't want to do is I, like, I don't want to take away from somebody else's business model uh, the, to like what you have, and I want to get into it, like what those services are that differentiate your brokerage from, from somebody else's. But uh, it, I've seen that other model work. Right, and it's it's. I don't know. I don't. I'm not an agent, and I'm not a broker. But does it work for select, or does it work for everybody? That's the question. I mean, who's going to stay in something that's not that's not working for them? And that's the thing you have to identify when you look at it from a mass level. Who does that model really work for? It only works for select. It doesn't really work for everybody. But then when you want to make it work for everybody, you deviate again. You deviate from your responsibility as an agent and you focus on something else. Imagine getting your license and all you're doing is focusing on recruiting other people to build a model. Now, that's, that could work for one, two, three, four people. But now when you holistically do it as a, as a, as a whole operation... The challenge is now you're focused on that versus your actual sales of working, helping the consumer, buyer, and seller. Look, I see value in, in both, yeah. um, but I'm not educated enough to be able to, to defend one or the other. Cool. Um, the, okay, let's, let's jump gears. I do hear what you're saying, and the fact that you speak so passionately about it means that it's, it's near and dear to your heart. Let me ask you a controversial question. Sure. Do you see them as a threat? No. Really? No. Okay. I like it. No. I like that. I'll tell you why. Here's the thing. When so many... So, look, an LV is going to be an LV. Right. A Gucci is going to be Gucci. A Ritz-Carlton is going to be a Ritz-Carlton. A Rolex is going to be a Rolex. Mm -hmm. All these models are going to come. What are they going to try to do? Why the hell do you need a Rolex when you can buy this for less? Why do you need a Rolex when you can have a better watch over here? Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, but a Rolex is a Rolex. It's the world's most recognized. It's the world's most trusted. It's the most, uh, you know, uh, uh, you. class of success that you can possibly wear on your wrist. Right. Same thing with clothing as well. All these clothes that are entering the market, what, Louis Vuitton's just going to go out of business for just like that right off the bat? No. So what I'm trying to say is that, that, that at the end of the day, you will maintain, there's a reason why Louis Vuitton doesn't think of anything as a threat, but they keep up with the times. Make sense? Yeah. But when you, when, you, when you have 
again, and, and it comes back to the model, if I'm focused on selling for you and you're hiring me for a job of selling and getting your job done and focusing on that, if my intentions are also sidelined and having, it's like working with a part-time agent. You know what right. I mean? You're going to ask that, and I think every consumer should ever always ask their, uh, their agent the question, are you full-time or are you part-time? It's so important to ask. So Good. those things go Good. a long way. So when you, when, you have, when you have a divided road of your thing, if I'm working with somebody, I just need to know they do this one thing. Okay, I'll tell you why I, I'm like so adamantly defending the come-up story because it has nothing to do with agents and brokers because that's not the field that I operate in. But I, 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 I take that lens and I say, well, then what would the point in me starting a new development company be? Right? I, there's already the, like the massive development companies that can build and have crazy infrastructure and they know how to do whatever. So I guess maybe my question would be, what, what do I have to do to convince myself and others to, or, or like, like, I need to create space and I need to create differentiation for, for, for me to be able to operate in a space where there's already established giants. Established giants that have unlimited resources and, and experience and all that stuff that I do. And like focus on development, not agency for a second. What, uh, what would be the differentiating factor that I would have to put into play to make that happen? Because I can't be the Louis or the Gucci or whatever when I'm a startup. Right. So like, what do I have to do or how do I how do I entice people to come and join my cause versus their cause story? OK, value that you create what you and, and, and the and the and the brand that you're trying to build. That's very, very important. So if you are um, and if you are building something and if you're building something and you want to be in it for the long haul, you're not focusing on the shortcuts in between. No. You're not, you're not selling a glitzy and glamour story and, and have smoke and mirrors. And that's really the challenge is that, is that there's so much smoke and mirrors that are, that are out there. So if you want to compete with the giants or if you want to compete with any individual, number one, don't undercut yourself and don't, and don't, and don't change the importance of the industry of what's there. Now, if that model seems to be growing, if that model seems to be working, by all means, now not everybody has to agree with that model. No, like right? that's the whole point of choice. But what I, but what I, what I've seen is, and what I've seen is, is that, uh, is that, especially when I was a startup as well. Right. Right. I, if you, if you use me as an example, when we started, and I can't speak for anybody else, when I started my company, again, I took on a brand, and I thought it was the biggest brand, but I still wasn't able to hire agents a lot in my in my first starting years. In my first starting years, sorry. And so I had to figure out a way to differentiate myself from the giant, but I never undercut. Okay, let's keep going, because I feel like the, the lightning round is actually turning into the podcast, which I love. Um, I think it's your turn. So I have a question for you. What do you feel or what do you think that could be improved in the real estate industry from a development standpoint? Uh, great question. Uh, Look, the real estate industry in Canada is on fire. It's been on fire for a long time. So uh, the improvement part of it is just more like incremental improvements versus like it's broken and something needs to be fixed. Um, from a holistic industry perspective, I would love to see the adoption of new technology happen a lot quicker. 
uh, we are still building buildings in the exact same way and, and form that they did you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, plus or minus some minor incremental improvements. Uh, with technology where it is, uh, I'm very excited to see what the industry can do with things like 3D printing or something even more simple as like precast construction or um, glass solar panels. So if you have a window wall on your building, it's also producing energy, right? Or if on a precast building, um, it, I've seen it just becomes more efficient. So like you can build a building faster and cheaper, which then ultimately gets reflected and gets passed down to the users. Uh, so that's from like a holistic industry perspective. I'd love to see the adoption of technology happen much more quickly. We, we, no developer really wants to be the first one to do the new thing because if it doesn't work, these are usually hundreds of millions of dollars of these projects. So making a mistake or going down the wrong path is it's really hard to recover from like there's not unless unless someone's like self-financing their own development then it's a different story but a lot of developments are obviously financed by big corporations big uh, you know institutionalized uh, banks totally. so what ends up happening is they that they're always looking for a little bit of a safer bet to kind of have a, a clear-cut product to move forward and there's timelines through the years, there's running costs that are taking place, there's so many challenges and obstacles being thrown your way, such as rising costs, you know, and, uh, and, and so it's, it's not easy to be a developer, and that's why not a lot of people, and that's why it's amazing that this is the field that you're in, and, uh, and because not everybody has the appetite for it, and I think you will do an exceptional job at it. To take it back to you, and, and, and like, how can you see the brokerage and agent game improving or what, where do you see it now and what would you like to see improved? Yeah, that's a very, that's a very good question. And, and we're actually working on that right now and we have it in process. And what that means is number one, Everything starts with what you're really trying to achieve. First off, what is a brokerage's responsibility? Brokerage's responsibility is to provide services, all right? And, and that's when an agent is joining that brokerage, they're taking on the services that the brokerage is providing, right? We're a business that builds businesses. They have to be able to trust and ensure that they can run, operate, and grow their business from the services that we provide. So we're that hub. We're like the Shopify or, you know, we're, we're, we're like that backbone of your business. So right. now coming back to the, the conversation is where I see that things could be improved is number one, having brokerages that generally want to improve the quality of the agent. So everything starts with the intentions. And what starts happening is when you start following a cookie cutter platform of like, okay, this is how it is and this is how we're doing and you're not sort of improving on what you're building. And what we did to improve, and I'll share our perspective, I can't speak for anybody else. You took the question out of my mouth, like what are you doing to- Exactly. So almost three things every office generally provides, right? They say, hey, we give you support, we give you training, and we have a brand. The rest of the stuff an agent has to do. Nobody really got in this business to say, hey, look, I want to do paperwork. I want to do administration. I want to do that. So what, we, what we've done is we've literally taken that off their plate. We right. take care of the paperwork. Administration department is there. We take care of all the marketing for them. We have a marketing department in-house, and this is not an affiliated company. We have, you know, um, uh, staff that works solely and exclusively for Remax Millennium Real Estate. Uh -huh. We have a mortgage brokerage in-house. You're not working with some random affiliated agent from a different brokerage or a, a, a bank agent. Not that there's not anything wrong with it, but the fact that you have someone in-house to help facilitate that. And who better than my partner for the Remax company as well? 
And then what we did is we said, how can we make and have agents uh, take their business on the go? I remember every time I used to travel, every time I used to have, I had to do things manually, either find it, download this, and scan it, and upload it, now with all these apps. But the problem is that there's, there, there's an app for everything. Right. There's a system for everything. Right. How many freaking systems are you going to have? How many systems are you going to pay for? How many running costs are you going to have? on? Why can't everything just be operated from one place? And that's what we did with our Millennium Portal, where we took anything and everything that you need for your real estate business, we put it all in one space, and we keep advancing on that. So you created, uh, you created a, a system or a portal or an app that is exclusively focused on how to help the Millennium agents do what they With resources, do. with trainings, with marketing material, with pre-construction, with anything that they would need to run and facilitate their business on a high level. Mm -hmm. And we're obviously improving. And then we launched the first ever app that allowed agents to do that as well, where they had things on the go. Imagine a client asking you a quick question about something, and you're like, okay, let me search that up. Right away, you can go in your app, and you can right away share it with somebody right off the bat. Right. Make sense? That's then what we do, Now what we're also doing is we're developing our own CRM, which we're going to launch very soon. And the reason why we launched our own CRM is not that there's anything wrong with the other CRMs. Actually, there is and there isn't, is that there's certain features that we think is a bit more uh, centralized for what an agent needs. There's all these things have, you know, you can do this and you can do this and you can do this, but really you're going to be using four or five features the only four or five features that you're going to really need. So we've really advanced and we created some new concepts in our CRM. So now we, anytime you log into your dashboard or you log into your app or you log into everything, your business is right there in front of you. Mm -hmm. You do not need to go on your computer. You don't, so if you're, if you're traveling, you're driving, you're, you're somewhere and somebody, you need to help one of your uh, clients, right. you can do that right off the bat from your goal. So we want to, that's what we're working on. We've implemented a great chunk of that already and we make that happen as for, for everybody else as well. What kind of, and just so that people understand, like this doesn't have, it's easy to say I'm going to create an app. How much money and time have you spent creating that kind of an infrastructure? It's something that I would want if I was an agent in an office. And right. I've wanted that for a very, very long time. The idea is just, actually got formulated when I started seeing that these are needs and mm -hmm. everything we created is not just for the sake of creating. They create, they got created out of a necessity. Right. And, uh, so a lot of, I would say a lot of my, I've spent, I've spent over a million dollars, well over a million dollars, I would say wow. putting it all together, especially with the CRM. The CRM was not cheap and I'm still, and it's still not complete right now, but it's, we have, we're going to be having a full working product, but once it's launched and it's ready to go, it's going to blow people's minds away. And do you find that it's yielding the results that you want it to yield? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, last uh, three years, we've won uh, worldwide, uh, uh, Canada-wide uh, largest growth in an office. And two years in a row, we won worldwide. So wow. net gain for the whole Remax network. Congrats. I'm getting asked from, you know, head office to speak to other broker owners in the U.S. And so, you know, we've from in, in, in just a, and I don't want to say short amount of time because we had a game plan in terms of the way we were operating and we are focused on providing value. Here's what we could give you, not what we could take from you. Okay. And that's my mindset is, and look, you need somebody to innovate. Right. If everybody, everybody, is, everybody is following the same tried and true model, you need somebody to come in and say, look, this is what more you can do with your business. Mm -hmm. And that's very crucial. And so I'm very passionate about this industry and I'm very passionate about the agents and I, I, and, and I don't see any other industry that I could be a part of other than the real estate industry. I'm from a selling standpoint now, 
but you know we spoke about development and we spoke about it but it's all in the hub of real estate so that it's a great transition into the, the next thing i really want to talk about with you which is like the what's next right like so you're you are at the top of the like broker agent game you are you're a platinum broker you're respected and desired by literally every well-known developer they come to you when they have product launches and and you're the first to see their products and i'm fortunate enough for them to trust me to to continue to sell their developments yeah what's the evolution of that or what do you dream the evolution of that is and it's a leading question because i I, I get what i really want to ask is do you ever see yourself being a part of the development or developer themselves? Yeah, absolutely. And it's and, and look, here's the thing, right? It's 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 like playing a video game and you have levels. Before you can get to one level, you have to finish the other level. So you have to beat the boss on one level before you can beat the boss on the other second level. Right. And you get to that. But here's the thing with this video game, it just it never ends. There's okay. always a level after level after level after level after level. And when you think you're at the top of your game, I'm not really at the top of my game, if you ask me. I'm headed there. And, uh, and, and, and the goal is not to be at the top of the game because you'll never really be at the top of the game because the game keeps evolving, right? So that's, that's really what it, what it happens. What I want to do... There's guys like us that are changing the rules from the bottom, trying to, like, get their way up, right? Ex- so exactly, you, yeah. exactly. And, 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 and we do it with integrity. We do it with quality. And we do it with value. And that's really what it is because once you have morals, you have values, and you have integrity, you will always succeed because your intentions are pure and clear you know, such as fairness, such as transparency. These are, these are values that you have to instill as an individual. And one of our company values is fairness and transparency. We want to be as transparent as possible. So to answer your question, right now, the, my focus is to really launch our, our tech platforms Fair. and to get those because they're little babies right now. And these babies need time to grow and you need to nurture them. You need to feed them. You need to, right. you know, and, and then when they cry and they hurt themselves or whatever, you need to be able to take care of them. So that's what my focus is. Uh, and as opportunities come on my table, I promise you, uh, Bastard, that, that I get so much comes on your table. But you have to ask yourself, with all of this right in front of you, in order for you to take this route, you, you have to deviate your focus to do that. 100%. Makes sense? But more than anything, now imagine this. You have, everybody has a number in this world, okay? Yeah. 2 million, 1 million, 5 million, 10 million, 15, 30, 50. What is that number? Each person has that where they don't. If I asked you, I said, what's that number for you where you, will, you never have to work a day in your life? You probably have that number on top of your head, instinctively in doubt that you're going to do it. Yeah. But there's a number, so like all the individuals. Now, why do we work the way we work? Reason why is because we have a passion to create something and innovate something and to give back mm-hmm. to our industry in our capacity. But anybody that's working has a number. Now, let's say, for example, somebody wakes up every single day, goes to a job, or an agent that goes every single day to sell and they get, you know, they get remunerated for the work that they've put in. If, we, if they took that number and they said, hey, you know what, let's say 10 million is that number. I give you $10 million today. Now what? What are you going to do? What's your, what's your game plan tomorrow? So... Uh- I'll tell you, like, when you ask that, what's that number question, um, you know, it, I think there's a scary part that people don't ever think about. Is like, what happens when you reach that number? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, it, like uh, I was very blessed that I, I reached and surpassed the number that I thought I had in my head. And then it leaves you, like, asking some very, very deep questions to yourself. Like, what am I doing next? Why am I doing what I'm doing next? And, like and like 
I think that like there is no number. I don't actually think there's ever a number. I think there's a level. And once you've beat that boss, then you have to like, it's a choose your own adventure of how you get to the next step, right? And, and what that next number or goal is gonna be. Maybe the next goal isn't a number. Maybe after you've reached your financial goals, it's like, you know, for me, it was helping people, right? Like I, I want, I, if, if, you, if God has blessed you enough in this world to, to achieve your personal goals, I think you have a moral obligation to stop and look back and be like, how can I help the people that are not where I'm at? So, so to, just to add some limelight, when you're, when you're young and you're hustling and you're bustling, the only thing you're chasing after is the checks. You're chasing after money. And once you, and, and here's the thing, it's so funny, right? It said, there's, there's an old saying, they said, they said, no philosopher ever became rich, first become rich, then become a philosopher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, see, I, see, I see stuff on the internet all the time. I'm like, man, you haven't done anything and you're giving me money advice and you're telling me about all this, all this, all this kind of stuff. First yeah. get to that stage and then we'll figure out the rest exactly. altogether. I'm not a messiah. I'm not an influencer. I'm not a celebrity. I'm a community broker owner that wants to have a certain style and select group of individuals that want more out of their career. That's all I want. And I'm, and I'm very, and I humble myself on a daily basis to make myself and understand that, that what I am is I want to create. Right. And I don't, I consider myself as an artist. And I said, what is it that I want to create and what do I want to put forward that I can be proud of? Mm -hmm. So once you've tasted the money and you've tasted all of that and you've tasted the blood a few times, you said, is it really that motivating factor for you anymore? No. Like how much is enough is enough. So, you know, when you, when you, when you taste it, it again, it, it sounds funny because the ones that haven't touched it, it, it that's what you think about. Because I used to hear this stuff when I was younger. I was like, man, I can't wait till I get that, my, my first M and I can't wait till like, you know, yeah. I, I do this and, and, and so on and so forth. but once you hit it and now you're like okay cool what's important to understand is what can I put forward in the world and that's what you create and that's what I'm doing with our brokerage with Remax Millennium Real Estate and um, you know it's 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 I'm so passionate about it in terms of what we want to do and, and look I'll be honest with you um, it was it was a hard grind and I'm still grinding I'm not I'm not I've just scratched the surface to now really get to the stage that, that needs to go there because now I've, I have a proven success, a little bit of whatever success that I have put forward. Right. So every day, if you ask me, if one of the, one of the lightning questions I was going to ask you is how do you humble yourself on a daily basis? I humble myself. I'm not an important person. I do, I do again, from an else, yeah. I, I am not a celebrity. I'm not important. I, I don't think of myself as a messiah. I just have a job to perform and everybody is equal to me in terms of what I have to do there. It's also like the responsibility of people counting on you, because everybody in your brokerage counts on you, right? Like, so you, uh, regardless, if you're in any leadership position, uh, if you're still thinking only about yourself, you're probably not going to be in that leadership position for, for much longer. So the fact that you bring that kind of mentality, it shows that you're, wise beyond your age years right you're not that young anymore but you're still like you're very young for the level of success that you've achieved but just the way that you're talking right now like this is uh that's wisdom man like that that's that's something that that anybody at any age can take from this um question for you on once you've achieved that cash and you and you're in that position how do you wake up every morning and motivate yourself to do the next big goal? Not just do what you're doing now, but to like create new goals for yourself. 
So the first thing you do is you ask yourself, where do I really see myself? Mm-hmm. Who do I really want to be? And once you close your eyes and you manifest what it is that you want to be and where you want to be, and I'll share with you what that is for me right now. Because mm-hmm. right now, I have a certain understanding of life. I only see life for the years that I have worked towards. There's a whole other world I've not seen. Now, I'm going to be traveling in a couple of months. I was sharing with you. Once I go there, I've never been to that country. If I go and I get an exposure to that country, it's something that I have learned from there that I've never seen in my life before. Mm-hmm. And that's called experience. And that experience you only get with time. For sure. And, and the reason why I share this is I've, I've had to understand, and this is when people say patience, patience, patience. Patience really just means just time. Right. That's what it is. Just let it be. It, it's going to happen in good time. And you'll, understand, you'll get a better understanding of where you need to be. So right now where I am, from whatever I have done or whatever I am doing, I have a certain understanding of what life is and what it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Maybe when I actually have children like yourself or uh, you know, I have a partner and I have other things that I'm doing, my perspective will change because now the requirements and the needs have changed a little bit. Totally. But as an individual right now, well, you know, where I see myself is, number one, I, I, I see myself being one of the largest REMAX brokerages in Ontario. Secondly, I see that agents have and can find success from, the, from REMAX Millennium Real Estate. And we innovate the game through our technology and our resources, and we set a bar for other people to follow. And, and, and that's really where I want to be for the next, and that's my five-year plan to achieve all of that. Okay? okay, so my five-year plan is to have that growth level. So, so once you start growing, you want to you be able to double, triple your growth at a certain point. Right. But when you double, triple your growth, you've got to have metrics and barometers of resources, humans, and sorry, not humans, I say, I say, I say HR and, and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so people that can run your ship for you. Right. So the other part that I've learned from hanging out with individuals such as yourself and, you know, some of the developers that are really great friends of mine and people that have really, really made it. And I'm, you know, a big fan of their work. Like I'm a big fan of your work. I've, I've feelings mutual. Yeah. Thank you so much. I've, I've asked myself, I said, how can I replicate Ron Sally? And I would ask that question to you. How do you replicate Bassam? You know, and, and that's the thing. Can you or can you not? So that's, that's the hard part of can I create another version of myself and how do I do it? And if so, who that person is? And, 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 and so it's, it, these are hard conversations that come with, with time and as the stages are required. Right. So when the growth takes place, how do you replicate pieces of yourself so now you can grow even more? I mean, dude, let, let me pitch you on, on something that I feel like most brokerages and agents that I talk to, uh, like, especially as a developer, uh, underappreciate or undersell about themselves. Uh, the development game does not work without pre-sales, yeah. right? Like, for those that don't know, unless a bank w- requires you to achieve a certain level of pre-sales before they'll unlock construction financing, there's no condo that gets built all cash. Everything is, is financed. So, um until that pre-sale number is reached, the developer is literally just sitting and like they're sitting waiting, right? So you, you, you and every other platinum broker or broker or agent that sells units, uh, pre-construction units, like you are the lifeblood. You're the gas behind the development industry, right? How 
if you could recarve the development pie, do you see that there's a more robust, or at least I see that there's a more robust place for the people selling because your sales team is ultimately the thing that drives the success of the business. How, taking that comment, like, and where the real estate industry is now, is there space for that to evolve? Absolutely. And, and, and how? Well, look, here's the thing, right? Every, every, everything gets driven by capital. In order to put a vision to life, there's, there's always a funding, right? That, that, is, that, that has to take place. Yeah. So if you, I'm a big fan of movies, and I, and I really study the metrics of movies and movie stars and, and everything of the sort. It's, a, it's, it's one of my you know, hobbies that I do. I, I look at how much a movie was, was financed, how much a movie was made on a budget, how much collections it took. I don't know. It's one of these weird That's things cool. that I have. It's like That's when you study cool. the market, I don't know. I study the metrics of that movie, and then when I watch behind the scenes, they the producers and the directors they talk about what it took to really get this movie up and running because somebody truly believed in what they had mm -hmm. so is there a metric for it right now I, I i don't think anybody's really put it forward i think you're one of the driving forces that is really kind of changing up the game and saying look it is possible and a lot of it is education. Right. Not a lot of people are educated on this field. And even when I speak to you, I learned a couple of things that I probably didn't know about before as well. And I love that you're really sharing and spitting that information out for everybody because it's the next chapter and the next stage. Now, the challenge ends up happening is, again, education is very important. If people are educated enough and who's going to educate them, and, 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 and when I say who, I mean who is going to educate them, because they also need to be able to have value in the person who is talking about it, and I think you got what it takes for sure, and the other big part is that, uh, is, is, is funding, you know, how much money is money, because when we're talking about development game, we're talking hundreds and two hundreds and, you know, millions and millions of dollars. Oh, so I mean, the developer themselves needs to put between 10 and 30 million dollars into a project, um, I mean, look, I know a lot of agents and brokers, especially the power brokers, uh, they, they have money. It's not that they don't have money, but it's just like they would never put it into a development project from the onset, right? They come in and they make fees based on sales and all that stuff. Uh, I mean, my question is, is there a point, and I, I really mean this because I don't know the answer to this, like, is there a point where it's like the agent is now a partner in the development? There's there's a possibility. Again, it depends on it depends on if there's a product out there or a structure out there that makes sense on a on a large scale and, and can agents be partners? I don't see why not. I mean that's my like key to success right now is to, yeah. is trying to like reinvent a bit of that wheel so that uh, I have the ability to compete with the more established brands, right? Like if 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 I have partners that are more sticky. Um, it'll help us in the long run, or that's what I hope. What is your view on the current real estate market? Um, op in the, there are moments in the industry where you get opportunities to buy and sell, and uh, right now there's a great opportunity to purchase and find some great deals and find uh, incentives and product that in a certain market you would have to pay a lot more for mm -hmm. or you would have to put down more money towards. So right now with my current state of the real estate market, it's great, but you're seeing, a, you're seeing it pick up now. 
yeah. and you're seeing it, and I'm noticing it very, very well, though a lot of homes are getting multiple offers again. A lot of homes, again, there's been the slight adjustment that has happened. Right. Of course, we've all, we've all had that. Sure. And it's not that every product is moving left, right, and center, but, but what you're noticing is that a lot of people that moved away during COVID and sold their property are now coming and flocking back into the city. You're noticing the, that the government is now with the foreign buyer um, uh, amendment. They did an amendment for the foreign buyer ban. Yeah. And now they changed it up a little bit for people that are currently there to be able to purchase a home. You're, and now you're seeing a lot of people coming through from an immigrant, immigration level. So you're gonna, it, there's periods in time in every market. And once you really study it, you realize that, you know what, it's, it's like a blackjack game. You have to know that, that there's certain times you just have to hit. So this is a hit time. It's a hit time. All right. Like, if you have money, you should be putting it to work. Well, yeah. I mean, last couple of months was a hit time, too. But yeah. now you think things are picking up again. So, <laughs> Okay. Uh, you're in pre-con. Or you deal with pre-construction sales a lot. Uh, and construction costs are a big determining factor in what sales price is. Uh, do you have any commentary on where you see construction costs going in the next 12, 24 months? It's not going to come down. <laughs> not what anybody wants to hear uh but it's hard to take money out of look under, it's it's look it's supply and demand and 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 just like wages go up over a period of time and and um you know money comes into the industry and the market and so cost of goods go up and it, it is what it is it's just the nature of of timeline right? so they're not coming down are they going up probably okay fine with that in mind and we talked about construction costs uh where do you see sales prices going well, it's again, if you were selling a product that cost you X amount of uh, to, to your, your, you, have your, you have your base cost, right? And then you want to sell it for a little bit more to make a profit. Now, your base cost rises. What do you have to do in order to turn a profit? You have to build it forward. I mean, it's a leading question. I, I'm in the development game, so I, I want people to always understand why they're paying more this year than they did last year. And look, and you're also paying for future value, right? Even from a developer standpoint, let's say you do pre-sales now, your pre-sales have to be priced a little bit more higher because your construction is not going to start right away. And so your cost is also, you're anticipating the increased cost of your construction the following year or the, you know, the, the two years into it yeah. to kind of put things together. That's so. I'm, you know, it's better that you say it than me try to explain it myself. Um, we asked this already, but do you ever want to move out of brokerage into another part of the real estate world? Um, I haven't thought about that yet, and I don't think I ever will. I think this is uh, something that I want to carry forward for a very, very long period of my time. Although I, what I would do is I would create avenues within the uh, real estate field um, you know, kind of like how we spoke about development on a larger scale or, you know, having my tech company create services and products for other real estate professionals. So I'll always be in the real estate field, but I don't think I'll ever leave the brokerage model. I think that'll be a huge uh, component of, of what we have. That's like your hub. That's, that's the hub because everything is originating out of that hub. Right. Right. All the sales are originating out of the hub. The, the, the adoption of technology is originating out of that hub. And that hub is, is, is the pool that, that we have of the like-minded group of people that we bring in. And, and I've said this before and I'll say it again. Like, I think that the brokers and agents of, of the real estate game have yet to realize how much power over the industry they have. You know, and I'd love to be a part of the story that shows them that they drive a lot of this bus. Yeah. So um, that I, I do agree with that. Uh, what advice do you have someone who's looking to get into real estate? 
start soon, plan, prepare, and get your get your ducks in line. And first thing is that don't even if you don't if you feel that you don't have enough money, find out how much money do you really need. Mm-hmm. So that way you know that this is what is required to buy or you know to acquire real estate to get into the real estate industry. What about agency? Like if they were like, I want to become an agent or a broker, probably just an agent. Sure. Let's say, let's say, look, whether it's a broker or whether it's an agent, first, first thing is this is a career. This is not a side hustle. I just want to clarify that right Mm -hmm. off the bat. This is the, the main hustle. So if you're getting into, if you're, if you're, if you're getting in the industry of real estate, I want to do this on the side and I want to have this, you're already, you've already set yourself up for failure right off the bat. All right. Because you don't have a plan of action. And you're not, you're not, you're so unsure of how do you even plan to generate business for yourself or find business or what value that you can create. Okay. Final question. Do you do any investing yourself? Yes, I do. Okay. What do you invest in? Um, I buy. How do you pick your investments? So, so right now I'll share with you, have I bought properties before? hundred percent. Do I own properties? hundred percent. Do I continue to buy and spot opportunities? hundred percent. Whether that's pre-construction, whether that's resale, I diversify my portfolio. Right now. Here's what I'm doing and here's what I'm working on. I'll show you. Here's, here's part of my... Magic. Here's okay? magic. Here, Give I'm going to tell yeah. you right now. So again, when you're, when you're buying real estate or you're investing, I would say investing into real estate because that's really what I'm doing. I'm investing. I don't plan to live there. I don't plan to... I am trying to invest in real estate that suits my lifestyle. And what that means is, is I have a few properties right now from Airbnb that is doing decently well. I want to continue to add that to my portfolio and I want to buy in places where I actually want to go and hang out as well. So I want to do a little bit of a double dipping. So like if I want to get away from the city, yeah. I want to have, yeah, you know what, I'm, I'm actually looking at options and I have a friend that's also sharing things with me as well, whether that's Florida, whether that's Miami, whether that's overseas and places that I want to just have a like vacation home, but, the, but they're not just sitting still. I'm not a billionaire where they just sit still and nobody uses it. <laughs> right, right. I want to be able to rent it out and I want to be able to have it on a short-term rental base. But I want to have properties where they're not like, I have already some properties where there's long-term tenants that are staying there already. They've been renting it for, for, for a long time. Right. But I want, like now I'm buying stuff where I can go use it for the weekend. I can bring my friends over. I can call you That's over. Dope. I can hang out, sit, sit waterside. And I'm buying, I'm focusing on a lot of waterfront stuff because that shit is a hard, like proper waterfront property. If anybody's ever looking for something, man, it to find that right piece of land, to have that right water, to have that shoreline, to have that, acreage it's 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 very rare um well listen thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today like there's so many really valuable nuggets of information that that you kind of gave us today um I can't thank you enough for being here, and hopefully you'll join us again. Yeah, if you if you'd have me, absolutely, yeah. we yeah. make it happen, man. It'd be, all, it'd be an awesome thing. It'd be our pleasure, my pleasure. Um, thanks a lot, man. Thank you, thank you. Looking forward to it. Well, that's our podcast for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, to catch more full-length episodes, you can go to our website or my website at basimhanna.com. That's B-A-S-E-M-H-A-N-N-A.com. Uh, the podcasts are also available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts in audio format and YouTube in video format. Until next time, have a great day.